0: Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. This week, we are going to be celebrating one of the two major festival holidays in the Christian church in our era, and that is the celebration of Christmas together, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that day in Bethlehem. And it has been, again, it's one of those two focal points that Christ came. And then the other being Easter, that he was raised from the dead, uh, the celebration of Holy Week. And so just as we did back in Holy Week, we had the the special seven days, the special seven readings for Easter. We're going to do that again here together with Christmas season as well. So we're going to read Genesis chapter 3, Isaiah chapters 7 and 9, Micah chapter 5, Matthew chapter 1, and then Luke 1 and 2. So those seven chapters are going to be the next seven days together, and, well, how did I time this? I guess, uh, yeah, that that last reading might fall right on Christmas, if if I'm doing my math right here. If not, it's the day after. That's okay, because Christmas itself, as a church season, doesn't actually start until December 25th, and then it lasts for 12 days, ending with then the start of the season of Epiphany on January the 6th. That's the same each and every year. So, as we look through these seven chapters, a question that you can ask your kids each day, how does this chapter point us to Christmas and Jesus? And so, I will bring that out for you, and we're going to specially focus these chapters on that particular topic, even though there's so much more we can talk about. So, I'll do a regular show at some point or another on each of these chapters, but this is a Christmas a version of a Bible study with your family on, again, the, those seven chapters. So today we begin with Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that Yahweh God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And they heard the sound of Yahweh God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh God among the trees of the garden. But Yahweh God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then Yahweh God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Yahweh God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And the Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And Yahweh God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and clothed them. Then Yahweh God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand, and take also the tree of life, and eat and live forever, Therefore, Yahweh God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of the Lord. This is one of those very well-known passages in Scripture. So it could be one of those days where you invite your children to tell you the story. See how well they get it, and after they've taken a shot at telling the story, read it together. Maybe have them read it, and, they're, and hear themselves read the same thing that they were just talking about. And notice any details um, that you can add to how well they know this account. It's, this is one that we really should know. Now, this is the fall into sin. This is when we broke God's perfect creation. So, the serpent is a reference to the devil. And there, we should note here that he was made by Yahweh. Uh, the Lord God had made him. And then in verse, still verse 1 of the chapter, as Satan speaks to Eve, did God actually say? Now "This The devil's a one-trick pony, and this is his trick. Right there, those four words, that's all he's got. Did God actually say? The devil gets you to doubt God's word. He's been doing it ever since and he's awfully good at it. Sometimes he does it with even truthful statements I and mean, there's truth in some of the things that he says here. And he he manipulates half truth is is just as much a lie as as no truth. And he's good at that. So did God actually say You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. There's a back and forth between the woman and the devil, and and she gives a a good response. She uses the word of God. Now, she wasn't there on that day when God actually spoke these words to Adam. So Adam is doing that job of being the pastor to his wife, sharing God's word with his bride and caring for her in that way. Now, whether Adam has added or together they've added that extra bit, neither shall you touch it, because God didn't say that at least not that it's recorded in Genesis chapter, chapter two for us. Genesis chapter one, sorry. This extra piece is still a good thing, right? If something's going to cause you death, you avoid it. There's no need to play with the temptation uh, that's true for us in many things in our lives. We often, in our sinful nature, want to know how close we can get to sinning without sinning. How much can I think about that woman before I'm lusting after her and committing adultery? How much laziness can I get away with on the job before it's stealing from my employer? Those kinds of statements. I Maybe not that bluntly. But we do it to ourselves we do it in our own mind the devil plays this trick on us and so to to have that simple barrier can be a beneficial thing there are places as christians we don't need to go they just don't offer anything of benefit to us and it would only be a temptation if we went there so Eve sees three things, that the food is good, it's delightful to look at, and it'll make her wise, and she eats. And so does Adam, who was with her. We'll focus more on that when we do the regular study on this chapter. Um, Adam should have stopped his bride, and he doesn't. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We learned that from Paul in Romans chapter 3, and here it is here. Adam and Eve together, they both sin in this act. And then verse 7, their eyes are opened. And the very first thing that they notice after falling into sin is that they're naked. Right at the end of chapter 2, if you go back and read uh, the very last verse, they were naked and they were not ashamed. Body image issues start right here at the fall. They hide their nakedness. Who are they hiding it from? The only other person in the world is their spouse. Interesting to think about. Verse 8, Then they hear the sound of Yahweh walking in the garden. God is with them. They're not actually alone. They have the the Lord. They have Yahweh right there walking among them. And they're afraid. And so they hide. And God calls out. Now, verses 9 through 13, are are God giving Adam and Eve the chance to take some responsibility for what they've done, to be accountable for their sin, and notice how they act on that. So God says, where are you? It's not that he doesn't know where Adam is. He wants Adam to step forward and to, to confess his sin. When he asks Adam about his sin, what does Adam do? Adam points the blame elsewhere. Verse 12, the woman you gave to be with me. So he blames Eve and he blames God. And then Eve, when God turns to her, blames the serpent, blames the devil. So no accountability, no responsibility is taken. Would that have changed things? I cannot answer that question. Um, But they've been playing the blame game and we've been playing that game ever since as well. So lots of stuff starts in Genesis 3. Now, in Hebrew, uh, this is a poetic move. Um, it's almost we'd probably just say a sandwich in, in English, but it's a chiasm. It's a, a literary technique where almost like in English poetry, you, you you do rhyming. So line A rhymes with line B, right? And so you might have an A B A B poem, or you might have a, an A B B A poem. Uh, this is a this is essentially A B C B A. It's like a sandwich in in that sense. I mean, Adam is the the one God asks first. Adam is the one God curses last. In between that, uh, then moving inward a layer, you have God asking Eve, God cursing Eve, and in the very center, God does not ask the devil. God simply curses the devil. But you can see the, the, the movement through that. So as God curses the devil in verse 14 and 15, The key thing to focus on, and this is why it's a Christmas text, is verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is called the Proto-Evangelium. First good news. From the very moment of the fall, right? This is in the the aftermath of that sin. God is already promising to Adam and Eve, to his people, a savior. One who would come and who would crush the devil. This text is about Jesus. This is a prophecy about the Messiah who would come. And so, why do you say that, Pastor? The words here are actually singular. It's not plural. It's not all men will hate all snakes, although we know that to be largely true. It's not all snakes will strike all men. Both the snake and the offspring in that text are singular. And so the church for thousands of years, going back to this time, has looked at this as that first great promise that a savior would come. Now you can ask your children here, how did Jesus defeat Satan? How did he crush his head? And that gets you into Holy Week to the cross, which the devil at first thought was a good idea. He thought he was doing something great by killing Christ, and then came to realize that he had only actually played into what God wanted, which was the salvation of his people by the shedding of his blood. So it is the death of Christ on Good Friday and the resurrection of Christ on Easter morning that completely seals away the devil's defeat. Now you have the curse on woman, which is pain and childbearing, it's... Seeking to take her husband's job, uh, which is to be the head of the family. That's the second part. We we have trouble hearing that. Your desire shall be for your husband, is how many English translations read. Uh, contrary in ESV is probably helpful here. Your desire is not a good thing. Right? We, we have that mistaken in our minds. Um, this parallels with verse with chapter 4, with Cain and Sin seeking to devour him. Sin wants to... Sin desires to master over him, but he must rule over it. The parallel between chapters 3 and 4 in that is, well, divinely inspired. So it's worth noting. So this is, she wants her husband's role as the head, but instead he's going to not kindly rule over her. He's going to, to do this in ways that are harmful rather than good. Man's curse? Uh well all of creation is broken because of Adam, and in pain he will work all the days of his life. Thorns and thistles? Can you imagine? No weeds? Ha huh. till you return to the ground. The biggest part of this curse, even bigger than the creation itself being broken, is that we die. Death has entered into creation. You have the words you hear from your pastor on Ash Wednesday, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return, as he places the ashes upon your forehead. Death is now a part of God's creation. Even though the devil said, you you will not surely die. Well, yeah, they didn't drop dead instantaneously when they bit the fruit. At least not in their mind. But they died. Their perfection died, creation died alongside of them, and we've been living in this death ever since. Adam names her Eve. We'll talk about that in the other episode uh, in time to come. What that name means here, we we see it's because she was the mother of all the living. Uh, It's a Hebrew wordplay that Adam was employing that we don't get in English. Verse 21, uh, Yahweh makes clothing for Adam and for Eve out of skin. An animal is sacrificed. The very first death in all of creation happens right here in verse 21 of chapter 3. And death has been reigning ever since. But Christ has come to conquer that death. He has risen from the grave to overturn death forever. This is a, I guess you could say this is both a Christmas text and an Easter text, Then, if we start looking at it that way. Verse 22, God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden so that they cannot regularly eat from the tree of life and live forever. So the fruit of the tree of life, the other tree in the garden um, with a name, would have caused them to live forever. Even after they sinned, had they been able to continue to eat from it, they would have lived forever. another question for your children here what tree now gives us life forever and that would be a a chance to talk about the cross of christ although we don't necessarily know what kind of tree it was or what kind of wood it was christ was nailed to a tree he was nailed to a cross and that cross covered in his blood forgives our sins and grants us that that reconciliation with God that lets us live forever. So in a sense, it is a new tree of life and a very different picture of it, but it's still theologically something we can talk about together. So that's our text for today, Genesis 3, a Christmas text for the first time. And tomorrow we will turn to the prophet Isaiah.